Hello and welcome to Be The Wolf. I am your host, Jenea Barnes. Many people struggle to be the fullest, biggest, truest versions of themselves. They bend to fit into other people's ideals of who and what they should be. They tame their brilliance to avoid judgment and gain approval. A long time ago, people attempted to tame the wilderness of Yellowstone National Park by eradicating predators. Taming the wilderness collapsed the ecosystem. But there's hope. In the mid-90s, 41 wolves were introduced into the park and with this, the ecosystem replenished itself and flourished. The wolves did nothing but be exactly who they are meant to be and do what they were born to do. So I say to you, be the wolf. Hello, hello everybody. Welcome to this episode of Be the Wolf. We're going to talk about saying yes to yourself and I am here with Sharon Marie Scott. She has many titles but we'll lead with she is a multi-dimensional healer and she has had quite a journey to get to this place, to the place where she gets to be who she is, walk the life that is right for her, and yeah, let's dig in. Sharon, can you tell us a little bit about what you do now? Yeah. Um, so multidimensional for me, I, I, you know, I had this spiritual awakening um, only a couple of years ago. And I, I was always, you know, I had some, I had some connection to, to spirituality, but it wasn't until I really um, took a sabbatical from my first career to, um, to really dig into my own healing journey. I have you know, deep trauma from my childhood um, with um, sexual abuse and incest and emotional neglect and verbal abuse and stuff like that. And so, so I, I took this break from my writing career to, to do this deeper healing. And in, in that process, I had a really extraordinary experience that ultimately became my spiritual awakening. And, and it started to unlock all these new gifts and skills and these, especially intuitive gifts. And, and I always knew that I had this ability to sort of read people and kind of know what they were feeling and thinking, but those those skills expanded along with um, along with some other you know what feel like more scientific or quantum quantum physics style um, gifts. And so what I do now is you know we all know uh, pretty commonly these days that trauma is stored in the body, and mine was as well. And my gift is the ability to help someone to uh, to alert them to um, frequencies like denser, discordant frequencies that are stuck in their body. And I'm able to help guide them to finding those discordant frequencies and then ultimately releasing them from the body, which unlocks latent DNA that has been closed down by the trauma. So that's probably the best the best way to encapsulate what I do, but it's it's a multimodality healing. And uh, the best description I have it for it these days is guided epigenetic release. So that's probably mm. the best way to share it with you. I love that simple phrase. It's so amazing when you can find a powerful phrase that sort of encapsulates what you do. And I think so many people on their journey to being the wolf and being who they're born to be are 
living these lives and have created these careers for themselves that don't fit so neatly in a box. They're outside the realm of what was expected, outside the realm of what's been done before. And that's one of the things that I love so much about talking to people on this show is because we get to explore the journey of how people say yes to themselves mm. to create the life that is true and right for them, even if it doesn't fit into conventional standards. Yeah, you know, I'll add to that, that, you know, even within what you might be considered the unconventional industry of spiritual, you know, spiritual healing, I, you, I still had to find the description that was unique to my blend of gifts, you know, and I'm sure everyone has to do that. So even within the communities that I, um, that I'm a part of, you know, you still have to find who you are and, 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 you know, cause you can't use typical strategies, you know, to find clientele or to even align with the people that you're meant to serve. So yeah, it, it, it that filters out to um, at every level. And, and I know that we're also here to talk about, you know, the alternative lifestyles community that I also migrated into uh, since then. So like, how do you want to get started on that? I love talking about that too. <laughs> well, before, let, before we get to that, Let's, um, so before you used to be a writer, a comic book illustrator, tell me a little bit about your journey to discovering that, that career, those things, uh, because I think, you know, it really is a journey of how we get to being able to live who we truly are and manifest our gifts in all the most powerful ways. So where did the journey start with your career? Yeah, you, with the writing career. Um, it it started, I've had lots of, I've had quite a few careers, actually. I started off as a sign language interpreter. I was an illustrator. Uh, and then I went to work for Walt Disney TV on like Saturday morning cartoons when that was still around. I was doing color design. And then while I was working, not I started to write comic books just before I entered the field in, at Disney. And, you know, it was a risk at the time. I don't I can't remember what my inspiration was, but I suddenly was inspired uh, by to write a medieval story with a woman heroine in it, you know, like a woman in in armor who who really had to stand up to, you know, let's say the evil forces that were coming back to invade. And, and it happened to hit the market at a time when like Xena Warrior Princess was really popular. So it hit the market at the right time. I'd like to think that it was a well-crafted story. And so that is what, that's where the writing career took off. And eventually, you know, comics in general, the industry has suffered, you know, in, in the decades that we've all been alive. And um, a lot of us have migrated into video games and animation and stuff like that. So I've seen that too. And I have also, I also eventually migrated into a lot of the video game field. I, I wrote a lot of film treatments. That was a bit another niche for me in the writing. And then eventually I also um, published like a middle school novel. Uh, action adventures were my thing, which is um, also just sort of like ironically uh, amusing to me because I feel like I'm living, you know, in an adventure like the one, like ones I would write.
You know, if I have to think back on that, you know, it started with, you know, it started with the, it was the drive to heal from my traumas because I realized at one point that even in my long marriage, that my traumas, which translated to a lot of fear, my fears were controlling my life. They were controlling my choices. They were controlling my feelings. They were controlling my thoughts. They were controlling my possessiveness in the relationship that I was in and stuff like that. And so I recognized that, that or, or I sensed that I could get control over that, that if I could control my fear or control my thoughts, that this would be the unlock to taking back control over like sovereignty over myself, sovereignty from the inside out of the choices I was making, you know, rather than acting out of jealousy or envy or something else or out of fear, you know, I was, I could, I could say, okay, I recognize that the fear is in play here. Now, what do I really want? How do I want to move forward? And that was a long process, but I would say that it goes back to, you know, the kernel of that thought of, I don't want to be controlled. I, I, you know, I, I don't feel whole. And I want to find out what wholeness feels like. Cause I think when I get whole that I get, I get to have better control and sovereignty over my life. Yeah, I did. Um, and, you know, I grew up in a traditional household where, you know, it was expected that you would, uh, that everybody wanted a monogamous, lifelong, you know, dyad relationship. And, and, and I fell into that societal conditioning, just like everyone else did. I fell in love. And even though at that time it was, I was very clear with uh, my then husband that, you know, my, that, of my queerness, of my pansexuality, but but I was also very committed when I when I moved into that monogamous marriage. I didn't have any regrets, um, even even as the introduction to um, a more non-traditional lifestyle became an offer. You know, I, I there was nothing going. There was nothing wrong in my marriage. It was nothing. I wasn't looking for something. But this opportunity came up. I I we had we had been married monogamously and happy for about twelve years. My husband was trying to start a business, and I reconnected with an old flame who was a friend a mutual friend of ours from way back when we all met when we were working as actors at the renaissance fair here in california and when we reconnected he was getting married and that was really exciting and so he invited he was excited to get reconnected with us he invited us to the wedding and i went to the wedding and the and in the environment in which we all knew each other with at the renaissance fair is a very erotic and you know and sensual and playful 
um, flirtatious environment. And so the wedding was no different. You know, it was it was a essential. They dressed up in Renaissance fair costumes and, you know, it was a very flirtatious environment there, too. And then we, we began spending a little bit more time with them. And then my husband kind of got a little more busy with the business building that he was doing. And so I became I, I started spending more time with them. And at one point they sort of, you know, they became more serious and said, hey, you know, we would love to take you out on a real date. And, you know, even though this old flame and I had been, you know, lovers way back when, now that I was married and he was married, I didn't really understand, you know, the proposal. Like, I'm like, I didn't get it. I'm like, what do you mean you want to take me out on a date? And, you know, I didn't give them an answer right away, but I certainly took it home to my husband to say, hey, you know, this couple has invited me out on a date and I don't quite know what to think about that. And I, you know, the relationship I had with my husband at the time was that, you know, I was a little bit more of the provocative just in general of the two of us. And I often would bring things to him that would make him blush. I had, I had made um, overtures over the years about um, my, my pansexuality and, you know, was he interested in maybe bringing another partner into the bedroom? And he, you know, he wasn't ready for that at the time. So when I brought this up, you know, they want to take me out on a date you know, his response wasn't what I expected. I expected him to blush and we would laugh about it and that would be that. But instead he said, you know, you could really do that if you wanted to. And I, that was really an intriguing response. And I was like, what? <laughs> and, and he's, and he went on to explain how he watched his parents, you know, get a divorce, but move in and out of having a still um, an intimate relationship and how that taught him about the the unreasonable expectation that one person is supposed to be everything to the other person for the rest of their life. And, and it, it was a conversation that I don't know that I even would have thought to have, but for it coming up because of this circumstance. And so, you know, I was intrigued and, you know, I certainly had, you know, um, set aside the part of me that, it, that my queer part of me, myself in order to be committed in this relationship. And so it was an opportunity um, and I took it. And um, it was really nerve wracking at first. And my husband eventually kind of came in on all, on that relationship. And that that was kind of the start. It, it started with just this couple who we dated for like two and a half years. And then that relationship transitioned and we moved into the swinger community for a little while and had kind of like our little swinger family that we met with for a while. And then we moved and then we got into like more emotional connections and we moved into the poly community. And then and then that helped us to feel even more um, like we were exploring more of ourselves from the inside out. And that led us to our kinks and we started to move into the kink community. So it, it was it was a progression of uh, of how many ways can we say yes to ourselves? Like, oh, I want to do that. Yes, I do want to do that. Oh, I want to try that. I want to try that. And like and then adjusting along the way and expanding and adjusting and changing our expectations of each other all along the way. And I'll say that. I want to say this, like there was so much evolution and growth as I moved through those communities that and 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 that that was capped at the end by this this healing journey that I went on. But like I'm so grateful to these communities because all of your stuff comes up when you're you know, all of your insecurities come up, all of your internalized shame and you know, these are all opportunities to heal and that your discomfort that you feel is the alert to the wounding that you have, that you, that you have the opportunity to heal from. And so when, as I moved through all of these, um, you know, quiet little pieces of evolution and expansion, I 
I, I felt this sense of aliveness that I had never felt before, this sense of wholeness from the inside out, what I call radical wholeness, which is like the a conscious alignment of physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual self. And when you get to, or it's been my experience that when you get to that stage where you, where you have that amazing transformation, you feel such a sense of gratitude that you, it's almost like you can't help yourself, but you want, you want other people to share in, in feeling that I wanted people to know what that feeling of aliveness and wholeness felt like. And so, you know, I pivoted, I pivoted from the writing career to you know, to sharing more of that transformation with people. And, and, and I, and what happened was, you know, I was sort of just casually sharing. Someone would share a, a conflict they were having an internal conflict. And I just happened to share, you know, oh, I really understand that. And here was my experience with that. And here are the way I was able to change the way I thought about that and reframe it for myself, where I shared with them this, you know, psychological principles or something that I had learned. And you know, I didn't think much about it at the time I was sharing it. And um, a few days later, people would come back to me and say, you know, your, your, your sharing was really helpful to me. I feel like you helped me move through this thing faster than I would have otherwise if, if you hadn't shared what you had. And, and it happened enough times over and over again that, you know, I got this like crazy notion that like, wow, my experience might actually be useful to people. And, and it was really, it was something I, again, my insecurities would never have let me see, you know, it, it took time for me to recognize that my, my experience was, was helpful and, and was helping transform people's lives. It was a big deal. Yeah, I mean, and we transform and we grow and we learn from story. Story and metaphor is actually the language of the unconscious mind. It is, how our unconscious mind communicates with us. One thing I really want to, because I think people, when they're at this precipice of about to say yes to something they might want, whether it's desire or really going against the grain of what's expected, here you are with this, okay, your husband said, yeah, you can explore this if you want. The couple obviously asked you out on a date, but there you were having to make this choice. Do you remember, was there some internal struggles of whether to step in or not to step in? Because I think that's such a pivotal point when you're, when anybody is offered this potentiality of something bigger more than they have that you know, there is that choice point. So can you share a little bit about moving through that choice with us? Yeah, no, absolutely. I remember it really well, actually. I remember that most of my feelings and thoughts were swirling around the idea, you know, it, it, there were two polarized reactions. One was my very erotic self that had been being suppressed for a long time. And, and even then I probably couldn't have talked, I spoken about it really frankly, cause I wasn't fully cognizant of it, but it was there. I mean, it was there that, you know, I'm, I'm a very sensual and a person who loves intimate connection. And that, and then the, on the other side of that was the fear that I just was about to take the first step down the road to ruin on my relationship, on my marriage. And so, uh, you know, it was, it was the holding of those two ideas that I struggled with before I made the decision to say yes. And I guess, I guess I really just said yes too, because, you know, this was a, this was a known quantity. It was a person that I had known before. And in fact, 
when we were intimate uh, partners uh, way back when at Renaissance Fair, you know, he and I were involved with other people. It wasn't uh, it wasn't an exclusive um, relationship. It was, you know, kind of like a playground for me. I'm like, hey, I'd love to try a threesome with two women. I'd love to try a threesome with two men. And he was just that guy who would like arrange it for me, which was really beautiful, you know, in our original relationship. So it, it wasn't a big leap. And, and my husband was aware of it too. So like, you know, we were, I was really transparent about my background with all of this. And so, you know, it wasn't a big leap to say, well, this is probably a good person. And uh, with an understandable history between us that, that I could probably try this with. Yeah, I think, I think that's one of the things for some people is there needs to be almost a bridge to sort of help them across to that saying yes. And it sounds like that the particular person was a little bit of a bridge for you to make it easier to say yes. You know, and as I'm adding to that thought, and you're right, was also, you know, when I when I was given the opportunity to consider what I had been giving up with regards to my my connection with other women, it was hard to say to want to say no to pursuing that and pursuing her in particular. You know, there was a clear chemistry between us. And, you know, I didn't necessarily want to lose the opportunity to know what that was going to be like as well. And it was lovely. It was a lovely, lovely thing. I mean, it, it resulted in a relationship and a long-term connection for them and you and your husband, which is a beautiful thing. It's so amazing when we choose to step in and say yes to what's true and real and right for us. It sometimes is scary. We step through these barriers into the unknown and we don't know what's on the other side. And I think the more as you talk about wholeness and coming home to yourself, things like that, becoming the wolf, it gets to a point where it doesn't matter what's on the other side. If it feels right and if it feels like it's the right thing for you, that it's important for you to step through. And I think we've seen a lot in the last handful of years, particularly of people stepping into their own healing journeys and saying yes more and more and you went into you went deeper into the kink community you started doing some teaching you so there were some more some more bridges of saying yes before you became the multi-dimensional healer you are today yeah and i think every step was necessary to get to the spiritual awakening that i i'm in now you know each of those moments were had their own importance you know, in terms of like the unlock to each new level, you know, it's almost like a video game character, you know, who's leveling up as they go along. Absolutely. What was one of your, what was something along the journey that was really surprising and maybe a little difficult to navigate, but it became so worth it and opened up so much expansion on the other side? Yeah. Um, you know, the first was probably to uh, to disconnect the idea that sex had more meaning to it, you know, than play and pleasure. That was a great link to unlink, you know, so that when my husband and I had relation had intimate, you know, physical contact with other people, that it was something that I could see the beauty in instead of only seeing 
the insecurity, you know, as I was working on like that, those fears that were controlling everything. And then another one that really pops up, you know, uh, the, the, the kink and BDSM community is such a misunderstood and underrepresented, underserved community. And when I tackled my and started on my kink journey, you know, I identified back then as a submissive and and really be the really the the reason that was was because of the kind of wounding that I was dealing with from my childhood, in particular, the the neglect uh, and the sexual abuse and incest. And so as you as you go to to approach your wounding with a sense of playfulness and a sense of I'm in control of the situation now. It's like you almost are driven to recreate these moments of your childhood where you didn't have control and you felt a little more helpless to to not having to to the healing comes from the fact that you now are in control and you are able to actually essentially reprogram the emotional memory of the trauma. And the surprise though was I, I thought I would identify as a submissive from then on for the rest of my life because it because but it was because the wounding was so deep. And when I went through my journey and I, let's say, created enough interactions uh, to to finally feed the need fully of being in someone else's care under someone else's authority who, you know, only who only focused on their attention on me during that time. Finally, at some point in years into my kink journey, it, I was full. My submissive had been full and the healing essentially was complete. And it's not as if I never play as a submissive anymore, but now I'm not driven by a need to be in submissive space. I can now choose to do that from a playful side as, as a person who is now you know, who now really sees their wholeness now. But so that was a surprise to go from need to just want is not a journey I could have guessed when I started it as a submissive. And I think that is so important across the board in anybody's healing journey, whether you do it through a kink community, whether you work with a healer like yourself, whether you work with a healer like me, is there is a rewriting of the story. And you, I mean, we're talking so much about story here today, but there's a rewriting of the story that happens in these, when you work with a lot of healers, when you work with, um, when you work out your kinks in a community, like the kink community. And what happens, exactly what you said, is the emotional content, the charge from it dissipates. Because by rewriting these stories, essentially, you in a in a controlled environment where you have troll, you are giving your past self what your past self needed, and your uh, and your unconscious mind, if we speak um, scientifically or if we speak to your spiritual mind, time isn't really a thing. Your unconscious mind organizes your memories in time, but you can go back to a time, a memory. In fact, every time you remember something and you have a memory, you change the story a little bit just by having that memory. What I'm hearing you say is that you have these, we have this opportunity to go back and say yes to the wounded child. 
because the blended modality that I have, the guided epigenetic release includes somatic healing, inner child work, bioenergetic healing, ancestral healing. And, and, and it's my experience. I think this is, I feel like this is a, um, a great thing for people to know as they go, as they go to embark on their own healing journeys is that when you start to say yes to yourself, things begin to shift around you because when you, when you state your desire, either out loud or as an intention, everything that you have experienced that has created an obstacle to that desire will come up in order for you to clear it so that you are now a vibrational match to the thing that you want. And so, you, and there's a period, and I think people are so afraid of this when they start to say yes to themselves, they get selfish. And, and I'm using selfish in a really positive way. It's because they never were allowed to be selfish. You know, we're conditioned to be self-sacrificing, especially as female identified folk in this society. And, you know, there is a natural progression of the pendulum of um, people pleasing and a sacrifice of self to being selfish as it should be. And it, but what happens is people think, oh, well, I'm gonna be selfish and I'm never gonna change. I'm afraid of who I'll become, but it's just the natural cycle of, that's just like me with the need. You need to be selfish for a while. You need to learn how to turn inward for that wholeness. And when you, once you do and you, and you are able to claim that feeling of wholeness from inside, there's a natural expansion that takes place and you, and you reach back outward. And you, I, I see it all the time where people want to give back in the same way that I did, or they want to volunteer more or, or they shift, they pivot their careers in order to share what they have moved through because that is, you know, that's the special message they have to share in this lifetime in their hero's journey. Yeah. And I think our true self, our true self, as we come into this world and we're born in this world, if you look at children when they're very little, they're very giving, they're very loving, they want to help. And then all these things happen. They can be big things like traumas that happened to you, like traumas that happened to me, or it could be little things, but it's just a moment where a child makes up a story where maybe they're not good enough. Like maybe they try, and this is, I think, in me going deep to root cause of not feeling like you're enough, I've discovered over and over that a lot of times it's a moment where a child was very young and they tried to help and it didn't work. And then they made up a story that they were not enough to help that. And then as soon as they make up that story, they start to see other ways that they're not enough. Oh, their mom's not paying attention to them or so-and-so uh, so doesn't like them, whatever it might be. And the story gets bigger and bigger. And then one of the coping mechanisms for that is just, as you said, the people pleasing, the self-sacrificing. I've got to try to help, try to help, try to help because but you almost never do it in the way that feels really, really good because you're trying to prove that you're enough. Because you're a child at the time, you have no ability to do that kind of um, um, intricate kind of analysis on the self. And, you know, some, I can't remember who said this, but it's something like, it's not the trauma that changed you. It's how you changed your belief about yourself as a result of that incident. Like that's what changed you is the belief in yourself. And when you go to reshift that belief in yourself and you, and you can clear those frequencies out of your body, you know, absolute transformation happens in front of you. The, the universe literally moves to and shifts to meet you in this new place 
with this new uh, foundational, you know, light and, and foundational sense of strength. It's true. And one way that you can, for those that don't necessarily have the grasp on the total spiritual shift of the universe, one way you can really think of that is think about when you're in a terrible mood and you go to work and how everything, everybody seems to be a jerk that day. And those days that you're in the best mood, it's like everybody's so happy to see you. And when you are showing up differently, people respond to you differently. People feel differently about you. Like we even think about if you kind of on an unconscious level expect people to lie and manipulate, whether you're aware of it or not, you're always tracking for the lies and the manipulation. Mm -hmm. And you're magnetizing the same vibration back at you. It's it's about matching vibration. And again, it's all about the frequency work. You know, we we know that all of our organs and our whole bodies emit a, free, a set of frequencies that are unique to each person. And, you know, when we um, when we are able to release those denser frequencies from the energetic body, the whole but your whole vibration raises. And I don't mean like raises in better. I mean, it gets faster and the faster it is, the more you can hold and your body will has to catch up too. like there's always like, even in the healing, uh, even in the healing work that I do, there is a period of recovery that happens after each you know, let's say a vibrational upgrade in each healing that takes place. It's a fascinating, it's a fascinating process to watch play out. Absolutely. It really is. I always tell my clients because I teach them to do the work on their own. I'm like, okay, now only do this much about a week or whatever time frame it is, because if you do more, I tested it out for you. If you do more, your brain, your brain might turn to mush in the middle of the day. But once, if you give the space for the integration and you allow the shifts to happen, you get to just keep expanding your life in the most beautiful way. It's so incredibly powerful. Well, and I love, I love that you brought up this aspect of working with people that have been that have been there you know whether it's a coach or a healer or you know whoever you have in your life that supports that like you know when people told me i think i got through that faster because you shared that with me i mean that has been and when you think about it that is the nugget of of what i have to offer now it's like hey you are you going through your kink journey are you learning who you are as a, a polyamorous person are you you know are you discovering your queerness you know or your spirituality, like spiritual awakening is another new, obviously thing that I, I, I get to share with people. And, you know, there's a lot of confusion and, um, and misunderstanding about that. And I can, you know, we help people to say, Hey, I know what that journey looks like. And let me help you with some tips and shortcuts that will make your journey, your journey gentler or softer on you than it was on me. And like that, that's the ability to offer that for me is everything. Like it literally feels like a gift to be in service to this now. And, and writing was cool, super cool, right? Super cool, super, um, what am I looking for? The word here, like, you know, it's like glam, a very glamorous kind of profession, but nothing touched me the way that I am in service now. Like this is the gift. Yeah. And I think about my own, my own journey. So I used to be a photographer and an artist and my dream was to change the world through my art. 
So the dream is still there. It's I want to change the world and I want to, but as I healed and as I grew and I was chasing for so long, I spent 20 years trying to figure this stuff out. And then when I, when I started finding stuff that worked, I dove in and studied. But as I grew and I had a greater capacity to do more to affect and change the world, I was able to do more and affect the world because I sought it out because it felt so important to keep saying yes to what felt right for me. It's just your art, art has changed. That's all. Yeah. My art is I my art is now that I help you rewrite your story and connect to who you really are so that you can bring forth the kind of work in the world that you want that you really that you're meant to do it's um it's such a blessing and i think one thing those of us that are healers and you know you think maybe if you've been through a lot of trauma or a lot of crazy stuff is when you get to the other side you can hold the space for people that have been there I believe that you can only take people so far as you have come. So if you are a person that wants to be a leader or of service in any way, the more you continue your own healing journey, the more you will be able to help bring people into the places that they really want to go. And I think deep in Deep in our hearts and our souls, there is that place right back to being a child where you really just want to help and you want to do good because I think that is at the core of every single. Yeah, I think uh, what's also coming up for me as you talk, and I'm sure that you can relate to this, is I feel like it's our job as healers, and I consider you a healer too. Um, one of our jobs is for us to see the perfect whole future self that is inside of them already. And they just, they just have too much stuff in their way and they're not able to see it, see it. And so our, it's our job to help them become aware of the, 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 so let's say the, um, the filter, the colored filters that have been put in front of their ability to see their own perfection you know, and, and to, and, 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 I, and yet we know that their unconscious understands and it's looking for those nuggets of hope, those nuggets of truth that it can latch onto that their body resonates with and their body responds to something. And if they just, and that's the yes, you know, so if they follow the yes, follow the yes, follow the hope, you know, they'll get there, but it takes work. You know, people talk about that gut feeling and it's really i think the journey is of saying yes to yourself is connecting deeply to the gut feeling and the part of your gut that's not reacting from the wound the part that is there this deep knowing that yes this is the right thing for me yes it's okay to give up that shift or take a leap or say yes and explore some different aspects of sexuality there is a voice that's in there that I think a lot of people have forgotten what that voice, that part of them sounds like. And the more you do your own journey in becoming the wolf and healing yourself, that voice becomes louder and clearer. And 
there comes a time when it becomes much, much easier to continue to say yes to yourself in a way that is giving and loving in that way that selfishness is a positive thing where it's, I fill my cup up and I keep generating so that I'm in a constant overflow. And then it means I can give a million times more than I could when I was scrambling to try to make everybody happy. You know, I love what you're saying. And I'm reminded, you know, like one of the things that I teach my clients to do is to learn what the yes and the no feels like in their body, because the body can is always in communication with us. And, you know, there's but there's a difference between a, a, the body's no and the body feeling fear. So fear, fear, is not, fear is not a no. In fact, you know, in the early part of my healing journey, I started to recognize like, oh, fear is the place I need to go. Everywhere that I'm afraid is where I need to run to next. And it's funny because once you just make it over that first hurdle of not being afraid of being afraid, then you recognize that like the discomfort, oh, the discomfort, that's just an, an alert to another piece of wounding. And this is my opportunity. So all the discomfort becomes the opportunity. And and you, you never have to question where you go next. It's like, well, what's making me feel fearful? What's making me feel jealous? What's, you know, just find the discomfort. And the, or even the judgment, the judgment of the feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I think mine is always, does it feel expansive or contractive? And you might have to step through some contraction to get to the expansive. So when you think about the result, does it feel expansive or contractive? <laughs> Absolutely. In fact, I had something that just recently that I was trying to contemplate um, whether to work with another colleague or not. And at first I was not in love with the idea and I had all these reasons why you know, why the other person was the problem. And then literally this morning, I had this insight that in fact, the parts of the, the parts of this other person that I'm having a problem with are unhealed aspects of me. This person is at a stage where that I was at years ago and I've, I've moved through the need, some of the needs and requirements that they still seem to need. And so it was me judging me through the representation of them and that now I actually see the opportunity to work with them as the opportunity for me to forgive and love and integrate this part of me that I'm clearly still, um, I still have internal judgment about. So like, I feel like it's just this wonderful opportunity for me to grow even more, even in my, even in my long journey. Absolutely. I hope one of the things it's like you uncover your shadow. One of the ways you uncover your shadow is uh, for those of you that know what shadow work is, is by looking at what makes you mad, what makes you jealous, and what makes you feel judgmental. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and like, it was like, is it one day different between this is a this is a them problem to oh I'm I'm the problem, and either I'm gonna choose to do the work here, this is the opportunity, or I'm not. You know, and then and then it'll just come up in some other way later. So either I take myself up on the opportunity now. Or it just gets a little harder next time. And there's the choice, right? It's like, okay, this is here for you to potentially look at and heal. The opportunity is here. So what are you going to choose? And are you saying yes to being the wolf in that moment? Or are you saying yes to hanging out and hiding in the cave? And sometimes it's important to hang out and hide in the cave. Sometimes it's important to rest. <laughs> You're being constantly triggered by something. 
then you're in your body is in survival mode and it can't do any it can't do any of the expansion work and so there are times to actually step back go into the cave just like you described and and be with the self until you rebuild yourself foundationally and then you can re-expose yourself to those triggers and and you know expand that window of tolerance great fill your cup fill your cup okay sharon tell us all the things how to get in touch with you what you have to offer to give us all the juice yeah well my you can find my website at um www.sharonmariescott.com i have blogs there you can certainly sign up for my newsletter there i have a, a little free say yes to yourself challenge that's like four different challenges and it includes the instructions on how to learn your body's yes and no so that might be a really great thing for uh, people watching. And then um, I also have a private Facebook group that intersects uh, spirituality with alternative lifestyles. And alternative lifestyles, my definition is sex positive, queer, uh, kink and BDSM, polyamory, swinging and open relating. And we so we talk about all four of those things and the blending and how they, you know, how they how they are synergistic to one's self-growth and how can you can use alternative lifestyles on purpose, you know, for your conscious expansion. So that's called the Woo Underground. And it is a private invitation only. So people would have to find me one way or another through my website, my email, Sharon at SharonMarieScott.com. And I have other like little free things too. Like I have a free e-guide on this new um, monthly discussion group that I'm calling the art of interdependent relating. And I have like the foundational tenets of that too. So yeah. I, oh, and then um, if, if they wanted to work with me one-on-one, -on -one, you know, on my website, they'll find uh, a, a page that talks about the radical wholeness breakthrough session. And again, radical wholeness being the conscious alignment of the physical, mental, emotional and spiritual bodies and or identities. And, you know, in that session, I, I, I'll do I do an Oracle card reading for you, but also um, we break down, you know, what radical wholeness would look and feel like to you and what are the obstacles in your way. And then we can help put in some strategies along with that, some of the actual frequency healing and the, the uh, guided epigenetic release to get you started on that journey. Amazing. Amazing. I recommend doing all the things. If what Sharon has been saying today resonates with you, do all the things. <laughs> And for those of you that are curious about what it takes to become the wolf and align your career with your authentic self, you can go to book a call with Jenea and set up a free call with me and we'll see, set up a plan for you. And that's Jenea, G-E-N-E-A. For those of you that don't know how to spell my name, Sharon Marie Scott. Your name feels so regal to me. <laughs> It really, it really does. It has been my absolute pleasure and my honor to share with you today. And I'm just so grateful for you and the work that you're doing in this world. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having and, me. And everybody out there, we will see you next time, next episode of Be The Wolf. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Be The Wolf. Please take a moment to rate, share, and follow this podcast so that together we can inspire others to be the wolf.